Well, I've been missing you guys. I'm going to talk tonight about what sabbatical means and um, just a little bit about what life was like without you guys over the last six or seven weeks. I want to show you a few things that we did kind of over the trip. The first thing uh, we got to do is see Brandon and Becky in Romania. If you didn't know, then tonight was their first refuge, refugee in, uh, I can't even say it right, in Romania, but they had refuge tonight. It went really well. I talked to Brandon earlier. He said that it went really well, and so praising the Lord for that. And then we got to go to Germany where we put on a baseball camp, but I'm at the end of the Germany trip. Um, the Smiths jumped in a van and we began to drive just around Europe. So um, that's us at the Eiffel Tower. Um, yeah, that's the real one. It was pretty cool. Um, we had a day in Paris. We walked nine and a half miles that day. Um, the Kissing Bridge. It's okay to say, oh, that's a sweet picture. I, I tried to stage as many kissing pictures as possible on this trip. It was great. Right? They, my kids didn't like taking the picture, but I liked being in the picture. Um, this is kind of a view from climbing up on the Ark of Triumph. The spiral staircase that was really tight for a 260-pound guy. Um, this is the Alps, um, Switzerland area, and down in the bottom part of South France. Um, just incredible views there. You've probably seen that place before, the Colosseum um, in Rome. When the Smiths do a trip, we kind of do it big. We just kind of got in the car and go everywhere that we could possibly go. Um, we were on a tour all day. This is in Slovenia which some of you didn't know there was a country called Slovenia, but there is a country called Slovenia in Lake Bled, okay? Um, there was a place that was an upside-down house. So you could take some really cool pictures, looking like you were doing a handstand and, and things of that nature in there. Um, this is the Leaning Tower. Well, I missed the Leaning Tower piece of one, but basically one of the things that we did throughout our trip is we flamingoed through um, Europe, so we got to take a flamingo picture in every place that we went um, along the way. And so it was fun to see people that were taking our picture, wondering what we were doing with this um, crazy pose um, as we went throughout. And so, um, man, it was a great time and a great trip um, to get get a chance to get with the family, drive around, just experience um, life European style. A couple of things that you learn about Europe. Number one, you got to pay to go to the bathroom. That's kind of awkward. You're the person sitting there. Oh, you just give them a euro and go to the bathroom. Um, the other thing is that all the cars are really tiny, and our uh, minivan, nine passenger, was huge. Um, they don't really believe in painting the streets to tell you, like, where the lanes are, so you just kind of, like, push your way around. Luckily, I drove in Honduras, and so I knew what it was like to drive with no rules, and so uh, we ruled that. Parking garages were a lot of fun with the big van and things of that nature. Um, but after we got back from... Europe and life kind of returned to normal. Um, that was kind of an interesting period, an interesting time, um, just in my own heart, an interesting time in our family, because part of our family was like, well, we're not on sabbatical, we want to go to refuge, everything like that. And, and I was like, oh, so it was, it was a really weird feeling. So I thought that I wanted to show you a couple pictures about what people think that I did during sabbatical leave. Like one of the things that people think that I did was read the Bible like 24-7, Okay. Like, they thought that all I did was read the Bible, and then all I did was sleep, okay? And that's kind of what they thought, all right? That, that's how I sleep, right there, all right? But then, the other thing they thought that I might do is, like, work out and get, like, really strong, right? <laughs> Running some hurdles and some things like that, and then I would come back looking like this. Oh, yeah. And if you get at the right angle, I still do. No, not really look like that, all right? Um... The other things that I really enjoyed doing kind of on the trip as we go through it, I like to eat, okay? I definitely like to eat, you know? 
which is why I don't look at that guy earlier, right? Why that wasn't just a picture of me. Um, other thing I love to do um, was play on my phone, all right? I love to play games with friends, right? This is my twin brother, Miss, Chris and Miss over there. Um, we won, by the way, in case you couldn't tell. Um, trains and games and all kinds of fun stuff like that, okay? Um, we have any more on there? That's it? Man, game playing right there. But man, we had, we had a lot of fun on the trip, but um, there's a few things that the Lord kind of taught me along the trip that I wanted to kind of teach along with you because one of the questions everybody asked was, man, wasn't it so fun? Europe was a lot of fun, all right? Beating Daniel at games was a lot of fun, all right? But overall, I wouldn't describe my experience in sabbatical as fun. How many of y'all have heard of a band called 21 Pilots? Pretty much everybody? Okay. How many of y'all heard a song called Car Radio? Right. Um, one of the things about the car radio, right, he's talking about this song where the radio's broken and he has to just drive in silence. And basically in our life, we went from a 90 mile an hour to like hitting the brakes and nothing was happening. And sometimes silence is violent. Sometimes there's times when you're silent with the Lord and the Lord begins to do a powerful work in your life. But that doesn't always mean that it's fun. It's sort of like when you find out that you have cancer and you have to get that cancer removed. The surgery is a necessary thing, but the surgery is not always fun. And so I want to give you a few things that the Lord taught me on the tree because the one word that I can use for sabbatical um, is the word healing. Okay, it was healing. So I want you to look at this verse. This is James chapter 1, verse 19. All right. And many of you maybe have memorized this if you've been in a household because your parents really want you to memorize this verse, right? And it says this. It talks about um, my dear brothers, right? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And it kind of gives us this three-prod idea. Be, be quick to listen. In other words, be a good listener. If you want to be a good friend, this verse is the way to go. Right? Be quick to listen. Be, give a quick ear to your friends. Today we were driving around working on the old ghetto bus, right? And a guy was talking to us and, and we just sat and listened to him talk passionately about God while he was working in the shop. We just listened to him and he was just teaching the word and it was important to listen. Now he was speaking Spanish. So I listened, but I didn't really hear anything. But Mr. Valdez was nice enough to kind of Tell me the, the gist of it all, right? But listening is so important. Looking at someone in the eye and, and giving your attention, and that, that's an important skill to have, right? Be quick to listen, be slow to speak. How many of you could think of a time in your life where you spoke a little bit too early? You spoke before you knew all the facts? You spoke out of be slow to anger, and you can't ever take those words back. And so here's just the advice that I got over the break that, I, that has just, just been burned into my, my psyche, right? Um, don't react, respond. Don't react, respond. Do you understand the difference? Reaction is kind of like when you stub your toe on a chair and then you react and say something or hold it in and think and then respond to a situation. For you, it's more like this. Think about a time when, when your parents are talking to you about something and your initial reaction, it's not a pleasant thing. Maybe you haven't done all your homework and, and they're wanting to tell you to do your homework and your initial reaction is anger or frustration or mom, you're smothering me. Dad, why are you always on my bottom? Whatever, right? Um, why, why are we that way? Because that's our initial reaction. Yet when we stop 
and we respond, we're able to think through what the Lord would have us do in that situation, right? So one of the things that the Lord taught me over this break was to not react, but to think and respond. And so when I was talking to this guy, he was giving me some advice about um, life and things like that. So be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, slow to be offended. Kind of tagged it onto the end, right? Be slow to be offended. If we could be slow to be offended, we could quickly be able to give answers that were glorifying to Christ and not answers that were glorifying to our own flesh, Okay. Um, I have another verse I want you, if you have a Bible, I want you to look it up in there. It's Ephesians chapter 3. And if Rudy doesn't mind, can you bring me a paper, Rudy, just so I can read it off there? Thanks, buddy. This passage of Scripture has been huge um, for me over the sabbatical. Um, and it's really summed up what the Lord has been doing um, in my life. I'm going to read through it. I'm starting in verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I bow my knees... Before the Father, from whom every family on heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit by your inner, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Here's what I discovered um, over sabbatical break. I had stopped feeling. And I don't know if you get to this point in your life or maybe you're too young and, and feeling is all you know at this point. Um, but I had begun to become so calloused against criticism, so calloused against people's opinions that I began to stop knowing how to love. I stopped knowing what joy was. And I basically had summed up my life in two emotions, frustration and anger. Now, you remember that James verse, right? Be slow to anger. But I was operating out of frustration and anger. When, when I used to coach football up at Hayes High School, my job as offensive coordinator was to look at a defense and tear it apart, right? Find out who the worst defender was and then throw the bomb at that guy. Who was the worst running defender? We don't even need to block that guy. We're going to block somebody else. And, and I began to develop a critical mind. And guess what? When you don't have the Holy Spirit as your guide, and you begin to stop feeling, then criticism and frustration becomes your, your operating mechanism. And I found myself in any situation being able to find out what was wrong with that situation instead of finding what God wanted me to find in that situation. It affected my marriage. It affected my parenting. It affected my friendships because I had discovered it was so much easier. I was, I'm less likely to get hurt if I don't love. Isn't that true? I mean, think about think about you see boyfriends or girlfriends and they break up. That's that's the drama of high school life. You see, so and so said this about me, and so and so, and you care what they think about you, and it crushes you. You you love your parents, and then they split up, and it just begins to crush your heart. And so, guess what happens? You begin to stuff love, and you begin to stuff joy, and you begin to stuff 
gentleness and patience and you stuff it away and you hide it so that you'll never get hurt again. But guess what? You don't get to experience love. You don't experience joy. You don't experience peace. I mean, you got to think about what my job is. My job is to talk to you and I have to, I have to think that you hear me correctly and take it to your parents. My, my, my job depends on y'all, right? And so it's just an interesting situation to be in when you, when you look in the mirror and you realize, I, I've just, I, don't, I don't have a love anymore. I, I, just, I'm, I find myself frustrated at my wife when she's trying to love me. I find myself frustrated at my kids when they're trying to show me love. It's a rough place to be in. But look back at this verse, okay? Let's, let's just go through it line by line because the Lord has used it in a powerful way because for about four weeks, um, I have to be honest, it was some of the lowest times in my life over sabbatic leave. And I know like, wow, you got to stop working and it was rough? Yeah, it was, it was rough. But listen to this. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father. For this is the reason that we pray. This is the reason that we beg God for his assistance, right? From whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Here's Paul's prayer. Lord, give me your spirit and strengthen me from the inside out. But don't strengthen me so everyone else can see. Strengthen me from the inside out so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, so that Christ himself may come in and I begin to feel and think like Christ, so that being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend all with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So, so why do we have the Spirit? So that we can understand that God loves us. Do you understand the love of God that he has for you? You see, if you understood the love of God, you would not be tempted to look at your cell phone. You would not be tempted to escape from his presence because God is all. God is the one that loves your soul. Do we understand that? You think, I don't think we do. We don't understand that God's love is so much bigger than the circumstances that we're in. God's love is bigger than the criticism I might get for someone else. God's love is bigger than the situations that I'm going to face. When we can understand that, then we can begin to express the love and the joy and the peace and the fruit of the Spirit alive in us. You know, there's a time when, as a youth minister, if the song said, raise your hands, I would raise my hands. If the song said, I fell to my knees, I would fall to my knees and worship. There's a time where my heart was so alive that it didn't care what any of y'all thought about what I was doing. I was going to be zoned in on Christ and worshiping him and praising him. And guess what? When you lose sight of that, you begin to become lukewarm and you begin to become dull and you dull your senses to the world instead of being alive in Christ because the love of God is bigger than anything you could experience. It's greater than that sack you could ever get in a football game. It's greater than the touchdown. It's greater than the perfect spike. It's greater than the fastest time in the state of Texas. 
It's bigger than any victory. It's bigger than any other person that can look into your eyes and say, I love you. God is saying that to you tonight. And he said it in a way that no one else can say that to you because he laid down his life for you. And he wants you to understand that not as knowledge, but as experience in your heart. And that's what I had forgotten. That's what I had missed. This experience of God's love. This willingness to step out off the cliff knowing that God was going to catch me. And it's, it's such a slow descent into a place where you stop feeling and where you stop having that. But he wants us to have something that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, what happens to us in our heart is we begin to close off doors and we let God begin to live in a small section of our life instead of opening up the house and letting the love of God fill in. And we need to let God fill in. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think. Do you understand that statement? God can do anything, but he wants to do more than you can even imagine or even think. Now, you might think I'm crazy, but let me, let me put down a couple people. If you have a pen, I want you to write down in this blank a few of these examples from the Bible that I think understood this um, depth and width of God's love. Here's the number one. If I had to rank, and this is the Coach Smith ranking system, this is not God's, like in, the, in concordance, God said, oh, in the back of the book of Revelations, it says, here's the ranking of the top characters in the Bible. But the number one, Jesus, okay? We always have Jesus, but born of woman, right? Of a man, like a human being only, not God and human altogether, right? Number one on the list would be John the Baptist. Now, I want you to, now, the reason I put John the Baptist first is because Jesus put him first. No greater man has ever been born than, so he ranked that one, okay? Um, when you think about John the Baptist, here's what God asked John the Baptist to do go into the wilderness, eat locusts, eat honey. Bring the nation to me only so that they can go to Jesus. Now, do you understand John's job? To prepare the way for Jesus. Like, I want you to gather as many followers as you ha- have so you can give them away to Jesus. Like, that's, that's not really a career plan, right? Th- that would be like me going, okay, I'm going to train Rudy and train Rudy so that I can get fired. And he could take over. Right? That's, that's not really a career plan for me, right? That, but John the Baptist was called by God to do that, and guess what? He did it. He says, when, when the, the Messiah comes, I can't even untie his sandals. I'm not even worthy to, like, touch his feet. And this is John the Baptist, who the Bible says all of Israel went out to see him. The whole entire country was wanting to see this one man who said... Why do you want to see me? Like, I am nothing compared to him. In John 3, right, 30, which, you know, is my life first. He says, I I must decrease so that he must increase. He says, I'm going to get smaller so Christ can get bigger. That's John the Baptist. What if that was God's plan for your life? That I want you to become less so that Christ can become more through your life. Would you be willing to say yes? Here's number two, right? And, and I might forget the order because I didn't write any notes and I'm just going through. But man, I cannot help but think about someone like David, okay? 
when you think about David, right, you think about um, a man that God used despite himself. And yet you see a boy that takes on a giant. You see a king that says, you think this is worship? I could get more dignified than this, right? And he goes in there to worship. You see a man after God's own heart, but you see a murderer, an adulterer. And yet somehow David continued to turn back to God in a passionate way. Talk about a worshiper. David was a worshiper. Regardless of the situation, his son, who had had an an infidelity with Bathsheba, dies and he gets up and he praises God. What what a life, what freedom. That that death doesn't doesn't bring me down because I know I'm going to see him again in heaven. He had a faith that was beyond so many people. You look at someone like Moses, right? You look at someone like Paul, the apostle, Look at someone like Elijah, right, in the Old Testament. And you look at these different men and you say, what was so special about them? They understood the love of God. Let's just take Paul, for example. Paul had to be one of the most incredible men, this chosen instrument of God, because what he said was to live as Christ. But then he'd go, oh, but to die is gain. What? Whether I live, whether I die... I'm amazing. God is amazing. Whether I have everything or whether I have nothing, I count it all as loss for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. Where would we be on this list? We're not up there. But do we have faith like these men? And we could do the same list with women that had faith that followed after and chased after God as he began um, to heal them, as he began to teach them, and they took chances to follow God. Here's what I learned. I learned how to love again. And as you're starting school, it's going to be really easy for you to get caught up in the life of schoolwork. Have you already there? Homework, projects things that are going on, and it's really easy to get caught up in those things. And guess what gets pushed out when schoolwork gets crazy? Not your time on your phone, not your time on for TV or or your game system. The Bible gets pushed out of your life. That's what what tends to go. Instead of making it something that is is so important in your life that you want to be there and you want to experience it. Here's another thing um, that I learned on sabbatical, Okay. And it wasn't really my friend's fault because they were all trying to be super nice to me and like give me space and, and like give me rest time and things like that. But I was really lonely. I, that's one of the things that I've never really experienced in, in my life was just this deep despair and loneliness because my friends weren't hanging out with me because they were giving me a break, right? They're giving me space. But it was, it was amazing how God used that just in my life to help me understand what forgiveness meant. Being alone and having to take into my mind all these different things that God was working in my life, I learned how to forgive. Here's a couple of verses that I want you to look at. First Samuel chapter says, the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake because it has pleasure the Lord to make you a people for himself. Do you understand that God chose you? That it is a pleasure for God to be in your presence and to hang out with you. 
that God wants to hang out with Dustin Pennington, who can't hear me right now. Dustin, can you hear me? Dalton, I'm sorry. I said you doesn't. Dalton, can you hear me? Okay, awesome. Uh, God loves Dalton. God chose Dalton and wants to hang out with Dalton. He wants to be in his presence. He wants to be in your presence. You're not here by accident. God wants to be with you. Look at Psalms 147. It says he, he heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. He heals those that are brokenhearted. Right? Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord and he will begin to guide you and straighten you out and take you in the direction that he wants you to go. And God began to reveal to me that my friend, God's my friend. That if my life is wrapped up in who I hang around, then my life is going to be lonely, whether I'm in a group of 100 people, whether I'm by myself. That Christ is my friend. And the last thing, because I want to close up real quick here in a second, um, is just the thing that's been a theme. Don't let your heart be calloused. Um, I have one more. Um, oh, you can make a meme of your face on sabbatical. Um, I have one more meme for you. How many of you have heard of Bob Ross? Right? This is my Bob Ross meme right here. Oh, yeah. Right there, the happy painter guy, right? Happy accident guy. Anybody watched him on TV? He's on Netflix. Okay. And everybody like just wanted to do that, like try to do it. He makes it look so easy. Like a happy little tree, right? Makes it look so easy, um, things like that. And so um, 16 years ago, I had told my parents, man, I just, I really want to paint like Bob Ross. And for Christmas, 16 years ago, my parents bought me a Bob Ross set of paints and brushes and, and things of that nature. And for 16 years, I had never gotten it out. 16 years. Why did I not get it out? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. Just life. I mean, you just get busy with life. You get busy with things, right? Um, but, but God just really over this sabbatic said, you know what? Maybe you don't know that you, you should try it. Just go out there. So, so I dug it out. Somehow my wife is so organized that we still had the paints after 16 years. They're in the bottom of the paint bucket. Your parents have like buckets, like paint bucket. There's a huge bucket and there's just paint. Every paint thing just gets thrown in there. Found in the bottom of it. And so I painted. So I brought a couple of things that I painted, um, Bob Ross style. Okay. Here's the first one that I tried to paint right here. And they're still a little bit wet, so don't touch them very much, right? So see, Bob Ross works because even I can do it. You should try it, all right? Here's another one that painted over the break, right? This was the second one that I did, okay? Like little reflections in the water. Yeah, just pull them down and sweep across them, right? Oh, happy little accident. Let's put a tree right there because, you know, I messed it up. It doesn't look anything like his, but it turned out okay. Um, for, for 16 years, I didn't know that I could paint, why did I not know that I could paint? Because I had never got out the paints and tried. I wonder about you. How many things do you have, maybe in your heart or your mind, that you've always wanted to try, you always wanted to do, but just life got in the way? Because, I mean, if I totally was terrible at it, I wouldn't have brought them, okay? Um, but I'm, I'm just wasting money, right? Like, I got... $5 canvas, go waste about $40 trying it. But sometimes it's worth taking a chance on something. Maybe you thought, 
I've always wanted to write poetry. And I see Celeste up here and she's like reading poetry and she's like so good at it. Maybe you should try it. Oh, I want to write a song. I've always wanted to sing up there and do that kind of stuff. Why don't you try it? If it's terrible, just don't bring it. Right? Just like if you go home like, I want to paint. You're like, Picasso, right? And you think the first, and you're like, that was supposed to, I'm not going to ever paint people, by the way, because that just does not seem like a win situation, no matter what you do. Um, but if you paint a person and it looks like an octopus, all right? Say it's an octopus, all right? They don't know where you started at, what your goal was. But man, what sort of things have you always wanted to try that you maybe just haven't done before? What about this? Try talking to someone you know. That's weird. Maybe even at school. Because, you know, at Refuge, they should all be pretty nice. Like, we're at church. You should be nice at church. Like, you could come up and say hi to someone, and they're not going to be like, get away from me! Whoa. We're at church. We'll be like, hi. And they just give you that little smile, and then walk. I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. And then they never come back, right? So that, that's what they do to you at church. So it's a safe place to try it, right? What is God calling you to try that maybe you haven't tried before? That maybe all of a sudden you'll discover, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that I could do that. I never thought that that would even, even work, right? Because what happens to us is we get calloused and we get into this routine and we never get out of it, right? And what happens to us is that the shell looks one way when the heart is different. Remember I was telling you earlier we were on the ghetto bus? How many people remember the ghetto bus, Right where the fan fell on Jacob's head. He doesn't remember that because it hit him in the head. Okay. Um, we had fans in it. We had like Christmas lights in it. Right. I got in it today and it is working sort of because um, we got it from the shop today and we drove it over and we started cleaning up and then it wouldn't start. Anyway, now it's, we towed it to another place. They're fixing the fuel places. Anyway, um, so I'm driving around. I'm thinking about the stuff. So we break down in the like car wash place. And so we call someone, uh, Frank's Automotive in San Marcos is coming over. And up pulls this church services van. Have you seen those? They do air conditioners and heating and stuff like that. And so this church service is like, oh, how awesome. Me and Paul sitting there. How awesome would be church services coming up to help us. That's so awesome. We're laughing. Right. Hey, how's it going? He's like, you guys going to move? We're like, oh, well, you know, church bus, we just broke down. He's like, and he starts cussing. He goes, Ah, well, it'll be, and I can't tell you what he said because there are three more cuss words in it. I guess I'll just go, something else. We look at each other and we start, we start laughing. Church services, five cuss words in two sentences. The inside did not reflect the outside. Are you catching me with that? If, if he went up to someone's house to fix their heating or their air conditioning, what would that say about the church? This guy, maybe he has better bedside manner somewhere else. I don't know, but we weren't, weren't in a bed or anything. Is it still bedside manner? You can still say that? Okay. Yeah, maybe he has better bedside manner somewhere else. Vanside manner? I don't know. I'm stuck on that. Vanside manner? Maybe he's nicer. Okay, when he's other places, maybe he doesn't use cuss words when things are going his way. But you know what I'm afraid of? That we sometimes are that person. Like the outside looks church services, van. Oh, he should have sympathy on the church bus with verses on the back of it. He must increase, I must decrease. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? We thank you, Sarah, for those. Um, it should he should be like, oh, 
Could I help you guys out? Like, what did he say? Things you can't say here, right? Is that your life? I want to invite you tonight, all right? You got paint on your hand, right? I got a little overly excited because I was the first one on there. Miss Vaughn didn't know mine. I was like, yeah. All right. I want you to invite you to do something real quick, okay? This area of your life, right, this paint that's on you, I want you to visualize some area of your life where you're struggling. Some area of life where when I say the word shame, that pops into your head. Maybe it's something that you look at on the computer. Maybe it's some words that you say behind closed doors that are not glorifying to someone else. And I want to give you a chance tonight to come up to the front and to wash that stuff away. Right, we're going to have some basins of water up front, and we're going to sing a couple songs. And here's what I want you to think about. If you were to go on sabbatical leave, if you were to take a break from life, what would God wreck in your life? You found out a little bit about what God wrecked in my life. What would God wreck in your life? What would he call you to give, give up? Where would he call you to stretch? And I want to invite you to come down front, give that to the Lord, and wash it away. You know what's interesting about sin? It doesn't always just stick to you. Like, I don't know if you noticed on my shirt, I got orange blasted earlier. By Daniel Garraway. Daniel was giving me like a man hug, you know, the man hug. I like, grab here and like, oh, but he had just got the orange paint on. Like, oh, we shouldn't have done that, right? Have you ever noticed that your sin doesn't always just stick to you? Or more aptly, because this is the way that you notice it, other people's sins stick to you? The sins of your parents affect you, the sins of your friends affect you. So I want to invite you tonight to give that stuff away. Jacob and the band are going to come up and they're going to play a couple songs. And, and when we're done with that, we're going to go into small group time. Okay. Um, but the song that we're going to sing um, is a Chris Thomas song. I know that all of you know that, right? It's talking about um, when Christ's blood, right? The cross turns red. And when Christ's blood washes away our sin, so I want you to just have that mental picture in your mind. Right? I want you just to sit down. We're going to turn down the lights um, a little bit, give you time just to pray before the Lord. And if the Lord calls you to come up front and to give that away, I just invite you to give it away. If the Lord calls you to keep it and to hold on to it, what is, when is he going to ask you to cleanse that? I don't want you just to go home with paint on your hand and go, oh, I'll just take a shower later. That'd be easier. Are you willing to step forward for Christ and give away the regret, the shame, the guilt in order to have freedom once again in Christ? Okay, y'all bow your heads with me. I'm going to pray. (coughs) Lord Jesus, we come before you. Lord, we bow our heads before you just in reverence of who you are. Lord, I thank you that My sabbatical wasn't just a time of rest, Lord, but I thank you that you really came in and wrecked my life. Lord, I thank you that the last week and a half of my life have been some of the best times of my life. Just the love that I feel, Lord, for my wife and for my kids and and for refuge, Lord, the the calling you have for me to come back. And I'm just so excited about that, Lord. I thank you for each one of the hearts and the souls that's in this room, Lord, and the way that God has used them in my life. 
But Lord, we are all sinners. We all have sin in our lives that is stuck to us, Lord. We have um, the enemy, Lord, Satan himself, telling us that we are not worthy of forgiveness. We have Satan and his team, Lord, spitting out shame and guilt upon us, Lord. We have our friends heaping on us guilt and shame, Lord. We're the victims of gossip, but we also gossip. Lord, we're victims, Lord, of unloving and unwholesome actions that, Lord, we often react the same way, Lord. Tonight, we want to change. We want to be different. We want to lay down our sin before you. We want you to cleanse us, to make us white as snow, Lord, so we can step out into the world and and share the love of Christ. (coughs) Lord, I thank you for the trials because, Lord, you said we consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds because the testing of our faith develops perseverance. Lord, help us to lay it down before you tonight. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Y'all worship along with us um, as they sing. My hope is found here 
on holy ground. Here I bow down. Here I bow down. Here, arms open wide. Here, you save my life. Here I bow down. Here I bow. Cross after cross, I surrender my life. I owe of you. I'm in awe of you, where your love ran red and your sin washed white. I owe all to you. I owe all to you, Jesus. flesh may fail there's a maker for my soul I can say it is well Jesus has overcome and the grave is overwhelmed Victory is won. He has risen from the dead, and I will rise when He calls my name. No more sorrow, no more shame. I will rise on the Thank you. 